All right, well, if you'll open up your Bibles to 2 Timothy, to begin with, 2 Timothy chapter 2, we'll read verses 1 through 15, just to start us off this morning. Paul writes, You therefore, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life, so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Understand what I say, for the Lord will give you insight in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the seed of David, according to my gospel, for which I endure hardship even to chains as a criminal. But the word of God has not been chained. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a trustworthy saying, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we will deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things, solemnly charging them in the presence of God not to dispute about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as workmen, who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth. But avoid godless and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness, and their word will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and they upset the faith of some. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to depart from wickedness. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and clay and some honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, having been prepared for every good work. Now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, and those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. And the Lord's slave must not be quarrelsome, but kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may give them the repentance leading to the full knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and having escaped from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Father, we thank you, Lord, uh, for your word that you've given us this morning. Father, help us in all that we do to honor you. Father, pray that as we go to our tables, as we study your word, that we'd be an encouragement to one another. Uh, as we look at this subject of anger this morning, Father, we realize this could be a uh, particular struggle for uh, for men. Uh, this can be um, damaging and ruinous in the home, whether dealing with our kids or our wife. And so, Father, help us uh, this morning just to be convicted by your word that in However, a big or small amount we struggle with this, Father, that you would help us to put it off and to replace it with self-control, peace, gentleness, and love, 
And Lord, the kind of servant leadership that you've called us to. So we pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right. Well, if you would, take your booklets if you got them. If not, uh, you can go online, type in Grace and Granite. You'll see the PDF there. Or you can also go on our website and find it there as well. Now, we're on page 97, which is dealing with the heart of anger. Also, if you're on our group me, it's pinned to the top there. If you're not on the lead group me, you can ask somebody at your table, and I'm sure they can get you on there. So page 97, looking at the heart of anger, particularly in the context of our homes. Uh, the entire kind of series here is shepherding uh, the family. Um, and so what he's going to do is really ask four different questions as we go through this. Uh, one, what does Proverbs say about anger? And we're not going to look at every reference because there's a lot that Proverbs says about anger, uh, but we'll look at four of them. What does Paul say about anger is another one. Uh, and then we're also going to look at what are the attitudes behind anger, and then what does repentance from anger look like? So take your Bibles, open up to the book of Proverbs, and we will begin there. The book of Proverbs 19, verse 19. Anger, of course, takes on many different forms, um, and so I'm sure every form is probably represented in this room. Uh, you can have men who tend to be more of an outburst of anger, more of a simmering bitterness kind of anger, might come out in harsh words, sarcastic words, uh, gossip, uh, gossip uh, slander, judgmental, all of these types of things. Uh, uh, just a general lack of self-control. Um, and so we want to put all of that to death. Uh, but Proverbs 19.19, 19, what it's going to show us is that anger can be habitual. Um, just because you do it once, if you don't put that off, it can continue. So it says, a man of great wrath will bear the penalty, for if you deliver him, you will only have to do it again. And what he's saying there is if you just save somebody from the anger, you just let it go or whatever, uh, you need to understand they're going to do it again because anger is an habitual lifestyle. Proverbs 20, verse 3, um, he says, It is a glory for a man to cease quarreling quarreling coming from anger, but any ignorant fool will break out in dispute. Uh, so you want to be considered glorious in one sense, wise, you're going to put off anger. A foolish man uh, continues in the quarrel. Proverbs 22.24, 22.24, and verse 25 as well. Do not befriend a man of anger, and do not come along with a man of great wrath, lest you learn his ways and take on a snare against your soul. Uh, so that's strong words. Um, I, I had a, a good friend out in California who used to say to the kids in the high school group, you need to pick your friends, don't let your friends pick you. Um, and so you need to be in control of that. And here Solomon is saying, hey, one of the categories that we need to be teaching our children, you need to make sure that if you have a friend who has trouble with anger, that you do not befriend him in a fellowship kind of way. Of course, you can try to help him, um, but anger can rub off. And not only that, anger will eventually, maybe at first you're a friend with this guy and it's not aimed towards you, it's aimed towards someone else, but eventually it will be aimed towards you. And so 
Solomon is saying, do not befriend a man who is given over to anger. And then last, uh, Proverbs 25, 28. This uh, <clears throat> tells us a little bit about where anger comes from. Like a city that is broken into and without a wall is a man without restraint over his spirit. A man who doesn't have restraint over his spirit is often going to allow outbursts of anger, words of anger to come out. And so what this is telling us is we're dealing with, when you have an angry man, this is someone who lacks self-control. He does not have control over his thoughts, over his emotions, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, maybe some of you were watching the Super Bowl and you saw a man on the sideline who had a lack of self-control as he decided to go yell at his 65-year-old coach and push him. And that's a man who is still, at his heart, acting like a toddler. Uh, it's a lack of self-control. But we can look at that and see it, but the reality is, if we had a camera on us in our home, more than likely what we would see sometimes is a toddler. <laughs> it's a lack of self-control uh, coming out. Um, and so there's a little bit of wisdom from Solomon as to what anger is, where it comes from, and how it is to be avoided. Now, turning over to Ephesians chapter 4, consider what Paul has to say about anger. And of course, we were here in this passage on Sunday morning, probably a couple months ago, three months ago, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4. And we'll look at, uh, oh, sorry, here, I got your points here, in case you want them. Verses 25 through 27. This is what he says, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth to each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Uh, he'll go on later to say, let no unwholesome word, verse 29. Proceed from your mouth, which is important when we're dealing with anger, but only such as good for building up what is needed so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of, bitter, of redemption. Let all bitterness and anger and wrath and shouting and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, graciously forgiving each other just as God and Christ also has graciously forgiven you. So Paul is saying there is a place for anger. There are things that ought to anger us in the world. He says, be angry and do not sin. However, because we are human and because we are not perfect, now, this category of anger we need to be extremely careful with because it can very easily move into a place of sin. That being the case, he says, whatever your anger is, don't let the sun go down on your anger. You need to resolve it. You need to handle it biblically. You need to give it over to the Lord, whatever these things may be. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's not ours. And so we allow God to handle these things knowing that He's sovereign He's in control. He has all power. Uh, we aren't to have outbursts of anger in this way. So we are not perfect. 
Therefore, we need to be very, very careful with anger, understanding that God is perfect. He can be righteously angry, and He is all the time. And so, when we do get angry, one thing that might be good to think, is this righteous anger, or is this sinful anger? Now, the problem is when you're angry, you're always making some kind of judgment. That there's something that you feel is not right. And typically what that is, is I have not been treated right. I have not been treated fairly. I'm not getting what I want. And so if you really start getting to the bottom of it, your anger often comes from your own desires and what you want and not getting what you want, which of course is not righteous anger. The other aspect is, and this is where we can differentiate very easily between us and God, is your anger often is making judgments that you can't ultimately make. You're mad at someone because of what they've done and you're judging their heart, but the problem is you can't see their heart. And so there again, you've become judges, James says, with evil motives. Um, And so again, God does that, not us. And so we can't allow our anger to go towards a judgment. And when you make a judgment on someone, this person's always this, they're always that, whatever it may be, all it's going to do is make you more angry when you don't really know. So you've just gone beyond what God's Word calls you to do in terms of anger. And in fact, this is why I read it in Ephesians 4.25. You may have wondered, laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor. I would say a form of falsehood would be making a false judgment about someone. Uh, These things need to be laid aside. Yes, speak the truth with one another as what God's Word has laid out, but don't go beyond that. And remember that we are members with one another. And so we want to be careful in terms of that. Uh, Paul gives us some help. Uh, He mentions all of the different, some of the forms of anger in verse 31. Uh, bitterness, this is kind of the slow, simmering anger that can take root in a person's soul. And so you might think of yourself as more righteous because you're not that person who has an outburst of anger against your wife or children. Uh, That's someone else, a lack of self-control. But inwardly, you have no self-control, and so you're just becoming bitter and angry. And guess what? Eventually, that is going to come out. It's going to come out through a word. It's going to come out to someone as a big surprise because you mean you've been holding this in for two years and you haven't told me I could have done something about this. And so bitterness might even be worse in the long run uh, than outburst. Uh, Anger, wrath, shouting, uh, these things are more of the outward forms uh, taking place. Uh, Slander, uh, I think often we don't see people as angry when they slander. I mean, it could just be a very quick word off the cuff uh, talking about someone, but at the end of the day, there's anger that can be behind that. Um, And so we want to put all these away. Uh, Malice, this is where our our anger turns into, really, we want evil to fall upon that person. We're desiring evil. We're not desiring their best. And so anger is moving into even more sin because we've not dealt with it. And then he tells us what we're supposed to put on instead. 
And this is something you might think. I, I've got a, a question in our small groups today dealing with this. So when my wife does something against me or, or another friend or whatever it is, and I have a response that is not right, it's frustration, it's, it's anger, it's, it's uh, bitterness, whatever it may be, you need to be thinking to yourself as you go back over that and pursue repentance, what is the response that God wanted me to have? Okay, this person said something that made me angry. That's the, the situation. That's me walking with a cup of coffee that's hot, and the situation bumped me, and I spilled it over, okay? So that's what was in my heart. But what should have been in my heart? And what should have come out of my heart in that situation? And Paul gives us some ideas here in verse 32. Instead, now instead of these things coming out, be kind to one another. That's tough. <laughs> so in, instead of hitting back, I want you to think through what is the kindest thing you can say. Or if you take it up here uh, to verse 29, kind as in a word that is good for building up, helping that person. It may mean that that person still needs to be helped or corrected in some way, but are, are you choosing words that are going to help us get there as opposed to words that are going to tear them down? Are you choosing words, kind words, that will give grace to those who hear? And I can just tell you, oftentimes as I'm thinking through my own marriage, I, my words are not giving grace. Uh, they're spewing out my own desires uh, my own angst, but they're not giving grace. Uh, another one, tender-hearted. You're tender-hearted towards someone. Uh, there's a love and a tenderness uh, for that person in that relationship. Graciously forgiving. Uh, Peter tells us love covers a, a multitude of sins. There are some things, someone may do something, and, and hey, love's just going to allow me to, to look over that. Um, but at times, someone's going to do something that's going to require much more than that, and you're going to have to have a heart that understands how much God has forgiven you that allows you uh, pretty easily, if you understand that truth, to forgive the other person. And he says, how do you forgive? Graciously forgiving one another, lavishly. And if you still don't understand, just as God in Christ has also graciously forgiven you. We have a heart of forgiveness. Now, that may just be at this point more of an attitude of forgiveness. Maybe that other person is, is not coming to you saying, forgive me. Maybe they don't recognize what it is. But even then, until then, we have an attitude that says, I'm letting this go and I'm giving this over to the Lord as I can. And so these are some things that we want to put on. All right, moving on. What are the attitudes behind anger? First one, he says, is self-absorption and self-centeredness. Uh, this is that attitude that comes away thinking, someone has wronged me, therefore it's not fair, therefore I am uh, angry. Um, I thought of James chapter 1. You can turn there, James chapter, or sorry, not chapter 1, chapter 4, uh, which I think speaks a little bit to this idea of selfishness. He says, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? And of course, Proverbs uh, would tell us that quarrels also come from anger. 
Is not the source of your is it not the source of your pleasures that wage war in your members? So these are desires which come from selfishness. You lust and do not have, so you murder. You are envious and you cannot attain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. So oftentimes our anger comes from completely wrong goals and motives. What you want is not lining up with what God wants. You should want to respond in a Christ-glorifying way in the situation, but what you want is your own pleasures to be fulfilled. And when that's ruling your heart, anger and all kinds of sin are going to come out. Another thing that he points out that I, I think is insightful He says it's a denial, an attitude would be a denial of God's sovereignty. A denial of God's sovereignty. You're just not submitting to the idea that God is sovereignly in control over your life. And this might not even have to do with a person. You're just angry at the weather. You're just angry at the way life is going, or, or maybe it is a person, but you don't know the person. You're angry at the person driving in front of you. But at the end of the day, it's circumstances um, that really go to you're angry at God because He's sovereign. You're angry at your health or whatever um, it may be. That being the case, what is something that would help us to control our anger? It is a Submission and trust in God's sovereign hand. And so turn over to Genesis um, chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. And we'll just show you, I know you've read the story, but if anyone would seem to have a right to be angry, it seems like it would be Joseph. Genesis chapter 50, verses 18 through 21. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? And from an earthly perspective, he kind of was in that instance. But he was humble enough to recognize that. As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to do what has happened on this day to keep many people alive. So now, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke to their heart. That is so important. Because you know what that's saying? Even if the person who has done evil doesn't recognize that it's done evil, I can still recognize that God's at work and is using this, even despite them, for my own good and for the good of everybody else according to God's plan. Therefore, I can be at rest. I can have peace. God's in control. So what do you do in that moment? All you need to do is respond in the most Christ-like way. That's it. You don't have to solve the other person, fix the other person. You don't have to stick it to them, whatever. In Joseph's case, he didn't need to put them in prison so that they would rot for 20 more years. He could forgive them. And the seed of that forgiveness was knowing God is good. He's on His throne. He's in control. This will put you at rest, I would argue, more than anything else we've covered. 
is just to understand God is good, he's all-powerful, he's in sovereign control of everything. Turn over to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. This again, you might say, would be another situation that if anyone should have been angry, it would have been Job. Job chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. Then Job arose and tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. Yahweh gave, and Yahweh has taken away. So he recognizes that this is God. But then he says, Blessed be the name of Yahweh. I know you are good and do good. The quote Psalm 119. And then it says, Through all of this, Job did not sin, nor did he give offense to God. He was at rest, knowing just a couple of simple truths. God is sovereign, and he is good. I can be at rest in this. So whatever is going on in your life, two truths that can lead you to control your anger and anxiety and fear is God is sovereign, and He is good. And I can rest in those truths. Another thing would just be God's omniscience. You know that He knows all. You may not know all, um, but He knows all. And so resting under those truths. And then last, uh, as we go to our groups, what's an indication of repentance from anger? Um, And what He's going to say here is basically true confession before God and before the one that you're angry at or whoever many people that may be. And so what's an indication that you're actually moving forward is you call it what it is. Forgive me. I was angry at you. And my anger caused me to speak words that were harsh and unkind. My desire is to please the Lord and to be kind to you. And so I'd ask you to pray for me and help me as I walk forward. It's confession. You're calling it by what it is. And maybe that other person, maybe you're a person who deals with bitterness, and so you might not think you need to repent, but just remember that God sees and He knows. Jesus says if you've been angry with someone in your heart, it's as good as murder. And so we want to begin to repent at the heart level, before the Lord, and not just worry about outward acts of anger. So I know this could be an issue in our homes, and so hopefully this morning will get us to think and encourage one another as we seek to be men who are self-controlled and give grace to those who hear us and those who are under our leadership. So let me pray for us, and then we've got some questions. Father, we thank you uh, this morning uh, for your word and how it challenges us Lord, to submit to your sovereign hand and to be men who are at rest and at peace and as a result of that are able to love our enemies, to be kind to those who are around us, to be gracious, to forgive when necessary, and at the same time still help those and give grace to those um, who you place uh, in our lives. Father, we thank you for Christ uh, who sacrificed on the cross not only for Uh, provides forgiveness that we need, 
and Lord, the righteousness that we need, but also the sanctification uh, that we need. And so, Lord, we ask that you would continue to chip away what ought not to be there. Lord, help us as we're at our tables discussing. We pray in your name. Amen.